Well, it's good to be with you today. Let me add my welcome. Glad you could join us in worship today. Um, I want to start our time together by taking a little survey of the room, okay? So just by a show of hands, if you have ever run a race in your life, by that I mean 5K, 10K, up to a marathon, post-marathon, I don't know, put your hand up. Wow, look at you guys. Very impressive. Now keep your hands up if you would currently, in this moment, in this season of your life, call yourself a runner. And the hands go down. (laughs) That was funny. Um, I would put myself in that same category. I've been a runner. I'm a reformed runner, a lapsed runner, I guess. Um, One of the most recent experiences with running a race in my life happened back when I was in college. Uh, My wife, Judy, and I, we were dating at the time, and she came to me and asked if I would do a color run 5K with her. Uh, If you're not familiar with what a color run is, I brought a picture. Uh, Basically, it's a 5K, and if that's not terrible enough, they throw paint at you throughout the race, These people look like they're having a miserable time, and so did I. Um, We have been married for about seven years now, a little over seven years, and uh, if she asked me today if I wanted to do a color run 5K, it would be a hard pass. Um, But we were dating at the time, I was still trying to convince her to like me, and so I said yes. Uh, And so we showed up, and neither of us had trained for it at all, uh, so we were both instantly tired, of course, and every, you know, half mile or so, they had these volunteers with this paint powder, and they were having the time of their lives. Like, they're having so much fun just chucking it at strangers, and it gets down your throat, and and finally, we make it to the end of the race. Uh, We're both just exhausted, we're ready to go back to our college, and I realized that I have lost my keys. And so I didn't want to do one 5K that day, and now I'm doing my second 5K of the day, and people are still throwing paint at me. And finally, we found them. We we went back, and we took this picture where I pretended like I had a great time, because that's what you do when you post things on social media. You lie. Today, though, I want to talk to you about another kind of race. Another race that can be tiring, frustrating, a race that maybe we don't always know if we can finish as we come to the end of our series that we started all the way back in June, our By Faith series. Somehow the end is here. We made it to the end of the summer. And uh, by now, if you've been tracking with us, you probably know what we're talking about, don't you? We've been doing this, going to Hebrews chapter 11 throughout these last few months and looking at all of these examples of faith. Looking at these stories, these heroes of the Old Testament, this faith hall of fame, and we've been looking at what we can learn, what we can see, the lessons that we can take from what it means to live by faith. So today, as we finish this series, we're going to read just the first two verses of Hebrews chapter 12. As we see the author of this letter come to this big idea, this thing that we've been shown over and over throughout this series, that God's desire for us is not just that we would be good people, not just that we would follow the rules, not just that we would show good behavior, but that we would do what those who have gone before us did, that we would do what we see in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that we would walk by faith and not by sight. So today, we're going to look at these words and we're going to consider, in light of all that we've looked at, all the stories that we've heard, what it looks like for us today in our world in this moment to live by faith. So if you have a Bible with you, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. We'll put the words up on the screen as well as we read just the first two verses. It says this, Therefore, 
Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So today, I just want to point out a few things that we see in this text. I want to show you a cloud, a race, and an example. We'll start with the cloud. Uh, it's been a while since I have uh, shown you a picture of my son, Luca. I'm sure you're all, that's why you're here today. Go ahead and put that picture up. That's us from earlier this week. Um, that's a good representation of my life right now, where all of the attention is on him, and I'm just in the background making a weird face. That's kind of where we're at. Um, we are at the stage where he is thinking about crawling. He hasn't quite done it yet. I was uh, watching him earlier this week, and he was on all fours, and he lifted one leg, and he went forward, and he freaked himself out. He was like, what did I just do? And he fell immediately. It was very funny. Um, But we're also at the point where he is starting to more and more uh, learn that he can mirror what he sees from us. So when he sees us smile or laugh or clap our hands or, or make a noise, he's learned that he can respond in the same way. And it's very fun just watching his brain start to figure out the world. And uh, one of the things that he and I do is we just scream at each other. It's great. It's a good time. But watching him do that, kind of learn to to respond and mirror what he's seen has reminded me from what we've been looking at throughout all of this series. What we see in verse 1, look at this, that we are surrounded by this cloud, this group of people that we've spent the last three months looking at. People like Noah and Moses and Joseph, ordinary people who displayed extraordinary faith in their lives. Notice how the author describes them as witnesses, witnesses, not of us. The picture is not them looking down on us and hoping we make it to the finish line. No, the picture is that they are witnesses for us, that we can look at them, that we can look to their examples and their lives, and we can see that if they can live by faith, if God can use broken and ordinary people like them, then we too can respond in the same way. We can be witnesses of God. This is a theme that we looked at throughout this series. We've seen it over and over again that, that God sees more than our brokenness or our failures or our problems. God did not see the brokenness of Abraham, the lies that he told to protect himself, the mistakes that he made. He did not see those things and see them as disqualifying. He did not see the selfishness of Jacob, the background of Rahab, and say, it's just too much. They're not worthy. I'll find someone better. No, he saw more. He saw more in them, and he sees more in you. He sees you not as someone that is too young or too old, not as someone who has made too many mistakes, not as someone who the world has written off. He sees you as you truly are. He sees more. We have a cloud of witnesses for this race. That's what verse 1 tells us. In other words, we all have examples of what it looks like to live by faith. That we've been given the example of Abel. Remember him? Offering up his finest sacrifice, reminding us, encouraging us that this is what worship is, giving God all that we have. We've been given Noah, building an ark when the world told him he was crazy. For those of us that feel like we're the only ones following God, We've been given Abraham and Sarah, this barren couple that would give birth to a great nation. 
for those of us that don't know where God is taking us and don't know how he will get us there. Isaac, for those struggling with God's goodness. Jacob, for those wrestling against God's control. Moses, for the one called into leadership. Rahab, for the one who feels unworthy. This is the point I think that the author is making, that faith was always meant to be done together. Faith is a thing done in community where we look to others for strength and guidance and wisdom and encouragement. This is why we as a church value things like doing rooted in life groups and men's groups and women's Bible studies and all the things that we have, because what those things do is that they add to your cloud of witnesses. They give you that support. They give you that guidance. They strengthen you in your walk. One of the best ways, if you want to grow more in your faith, is to surround yourself with people that have that same desire. Isn't it easier, those of you that run, the few of us that kept our hands up, isn't it easier when you have someone to run with you? Isn't it easier to have that accountability and that encouragement and that support, someone to strengthen you and make you better? See, this is what we as followers of Jesus must consider. Who is it that is in my cloud of witnesses? Who is it that I'm modeling myself after, building myself up with? Who is walking with me in my race of faith? Can I encourage you to do something? Uh, If you are the type of person that likes practical steps from a message, if you want something concrete to do from this, here's something you could do. It'll take five minutes of your time, and it could have a big impact in your life. What I want you to do is take five minutes and write down your cloud of witnesses, the people in your life, people in scripture, people in history that have impacted your faith journey. People whose faith you've seen, that that they've encouraged you, people who have walked with you through good and bad times. And then what I want you to do is consider this, is pick someone on that list, someone in your life, someone that you still are in contact with, and write them or call them or text them or sit down with them and tell them thank you. Thank them for being in your life. Thank them for the faith that you've seen and the impact that it's had on you. We have been given this gift of a cloud of witnesses. Reading this text, um, and thinking about this cloud, there's a question that I've been just wrestling through on my own and, and really convicted by this week, and, and I'm tired of being convicted alone, so I'm going to deal it with you guys too. Um, here's a question. It's a two-part question. Whose cloud am I in, and what kind of witness am I? Whose cloud am I in, and what kind of witness am I? In other words, when I look at my own life and I consider the people that I have influence over, my friends, my family members, my coworkers, my classmates, whoever it may be, if they were to model their faith and their habits and their language and their thoughts after what they see in me, where would that lead them? Paul talks about this in Philippians chapter 3, uh, verse 17. He says, brothers, join in imitating me. Keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. What if you and I said that? imitate me. Where would that lead us? If my coworker, my classmate, if my friend's only interaction with Jesus or church or Christianity is what they see in me, how I treat them, where would that lead them and what impression would they have? See, this is what our author is showing us, that each one of our Old Testament heroes had their time and their moment of faith, and God did what he so often does. 
He blessed and multiplied and used that faith in incredible ways and did what only he can do. He used ordinary people to bring about a nation and a promise and a line that ultimately led to Jesus. And this is what we're being shown, that the baton has been passed and it is the church's turn. That we have been invited to join this cloud, that our kids and our grandkids and the generations that are to come after us would look at us and one thing would be undeniably true. Not that we're perfect, not that we have it all figured out, but that we lived by faith. Do not miss your race. Do not miss your opportunity. This is our chance to be part of this cloud, not because of our own greatness, but his. That brings us to the next thing I want to focus on today, the race. Uh, The race. Let me read this middle section of our verses. It says this, Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. In other words, this is what a life of faith looks like. A competition, a race to the finish. And here we see four ways to run your race well. We'll go through each one of these pretty quick. First, we see a life of faith is a focused one. A focused one. This is verse 2, where we're told to fix our eyes, to focus, to look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter, this ultimate example of what it means to live by faith. Can I tell you guys an embarrassing story? I'm going to either way. Um, So this happened a couple weeks ago. I was here at the Mill Creek campus. It was before one of our Saturday night services, um, and I was doing a mic check, and I was walking around. I was about to get off the stage, and I was looking at the sound booth. I was talking to the guys in the sound booth, and I went to go down the stairs, and I thought the stairs were here. And I don't know if you can see in the back. They are not here. Um, so I went to step, and I went down. It was like a Jenga tower, like immediately down. I tumbled. I fell. I, I don't have much time before things like this start breaking parts of my body, but I was okay. Um, and I got up, and everybody was looking at me, and it was half concern and half trying not to laugh. <laughs> and I'm only telling you this because I've started to hear this story get around, and I'm getting ahead of it because clearly I am over it. <laughs> that much is clear. But this, I think, is is an embarrassing but also maybe accurate picture of what the author is telling us here. That when we don't keep our eyes fixed on where they need to be, when our eyes are not fixed on Jesus, that will always lead to a stumble or a trip or a fall. See, I think for us today, there's two dangers that we have, one of them being that our eyes are always fixed on ourselves, leading to this self-centered kind of life. But the other that we are always fixed on other people's race, that our focus is on how everybody else is doing, how their kids are doing, what trips they're going on, their gifts, their calling, their purpose, what God is doing in their lives. And both of those things always lead to a fall. This is what we're told here. Look to Jesus. Don't get distracted by what the world can offer you. Don't be deceived by what it says about you. Don't get caught up in someone else's race. Keep your eyes fixed where they belong. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. He is the finish line. He is the prize. He is what we look for in this race. A life of faith is a focused one. Second, a life of faith is a sacrificial one. Go back to verse 1. Notice this phrase, that we are to lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. 
Uh, Judy and I, we recently learned how stressful it is to fly with a baby. I don't know if any of you have done that. I do not recommend it. Um, I used to tease my wife that she would pack so much when we went on a trip, and then we had a baby. Um, and it, she just went to a whole new level. We were gone for like four days. We went to a wedding, and I think our entire nursery was empty. It was crazy. And so we go to check the bag at the airport. You know, it has to be under 50 pounds. We clocked in at like 62 or something. <laughs> and so we're just taking everything that we can out. I've got like five layers of clothes on. We're going to Florida. I'm going to melt. It's fine. Everyone behind us, I'm sure, is just so mad, but we just didn't care because they charge so much, and we are not going to pay that fee. We'll do whatever it takes to get rid of that extra weight. And this is what we see here, that we must do whatever it takes to remove and dispose and lay aside any weight, any sin, anything that slows you down or keeps you from running towards Jesus. Maybe today there's a sin issue in your life that you've been ignoring or downplaying or rationalizing. Maybe you need to be reminded that sin not only slows you down, it clings to you. It surrounds you. It trips you up and it takes you down. Bring those things to God in repentance today. Don't let sin derail your race. We also see this, though, that outside of sin, that there are other things, other weights, things that are not sinful that sometimes do the same. Did you see that? How it says weight and sin, two different categories. In other words, things that are not sinful, things that might even be good, can become weight if they keep us from the race set before us. Things like social media. Things like our favorite sports teams. Things like watching or reading or listening to the news. Things like traveling, career, hobbies, interests. None of those things are inherently wrong, are they? But all of them can become weight. Part of living by faith is ensuring that good doesn't take the place of God. That we don't get so weighed down by a busy life that we forget what we have been called to. A.W. Tozer put it this way. He said, whatever keeps me from my Bible is my enemy, however harmless it may appear to be. A life of faith is a sacrificial one. Third, a life of faith is an active one, an active one. This is why I think this imagery of a race is used. We see this throughout Scripture, especially in the New Testament, and in particular, Paul loves talking about a race. In fact, there are three examples we see from Paul's writings. Second Timothy, I have fought the good fight, finished the race, kept the faith. Galatians 5, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? And then 1 Corinthians, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Many scholars believe that Paul has in mind the Olympics when he's writing these words, where athletes would train all their lives to win this prize, to finish their race. See, as followers of Jesus, we were never meant to be spectators of our faith. We were never meant to come to church and listen to and watch other people worship. We were never meant to consider a half-hour sermon once a week all the spiritual food that we need. We were called to be active, to be participants in our own faith journey. Andy Stanley, who's a, a pastor down in Georgia, posted this earlier this week. He said, Jesus doesn't need any more admirers. He does not invite us to admire him, to think that he's a cool guy, to think that he has good things to say. No, he invites us to follow him. To follow him requires action and movement 
taking one more step. What is your next step? What is God calling you to do in this season of your life? Is it to serve more? To serve your community or or your church family? Is it to join a group, have a faith conversation? Is it giving sacrificially? Take that next step. A life of faith is an active one. And then fourth, a life of faith is an enduring one. We see this in our verse, to run with endurance. In fact, the author uses that word three times in the first three verses of Hebrews chapter 12. And remember for a second who Hebrews was written to. Written to early Christians who had been persecuted and mocked and treated differently because of their faith, that were considering going back to their old ways because they didn't know if they had what it takes. And this is what we see here, that faith is not about how you start, but how you finish. Uh, Back in middle school, I was on my uh, cross-country team. Not sure why, because as I've shared, I don't like running, and I wasn't good at it. And uh, I never got close to winning, but there was one race in particular where I just wanted the feeling of being in first place. And so that race started, and I just took off. I was sprinting. I was going so fast. If it was a 100-meter dash, I would have won every medal. And for about two seconds, I thought to myself, maybe I can stay in front. Maybe I'm going to actually win. And then reality caught up. And then all the other runners caught up. And by the midway point of that race, my energy was gone, and I was ready to quit. See, faith is not about how you start. It's about how you finish. This is where those of you that do run can maybe teach us something because you know what it takes to finish a race, don't you? You know that it takes discipline, training, preparation, planning, all of those things. Nobody has ever coasted to first place, have they? See, faith is about persevering, about finding strength to go on when things get difficult. This, I think, is what these early Christians were being told and what we are told as well. It's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 24, that the one who endures will be saved. This is what a life of faith does. It perseveres, relying on Jesus to find that strength, knowing that the prize is worth it. A life of faith is focused, sacrificial, active, and enduring. This is what it takes to run your race. That brings us to the last thing I want to show you today, the example. Let's read uh, verse 2 again. It says this, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, this verse in particular is why we are finishing this series not with the end of chapter 11, but here at the beginning of chapter 12. Because after all of our examples of faith, after all the stories we've seen, after looking at people like Abraham and Sarah and Jacob and Moses, here we are shown the perfect, ultimate example of what it means to live by faith. The one that all of those people looked for and hoped for and pointed us to. See, the point of this series has not been about glorifying any of our Old Testament heroes. It's been to get us to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Those words, founder and perfecter, are interesting. The idea behind them being that he was the beginning, the pioneer, the author of faith, and at the same time is the completion, the perfection, the thing that makes it whole. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 talks about this idea 
This is again Paul. He says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He began a work in you, and he finishes what he starts. We've seen this throughout this series, how each of our Old Testament heroes had faith in something that they had not yet seen, that they were pointing forwards, looking ahead. And this is what they were looking for, who Jesus is and what he would do for his people. And then here we're told that Jesus' faith and what about it is something that we should emulate, that he endured the cross, that he despised the shame, and that he is seated at the right hand of God. Some of you know this, that death on a cross in Jesus' day was the most shameful way to die. It was a death of criminals. And yet Jesus despised that shame. He scorned that shame. He brought shame to shame with the power that he showed in the resurrection. He proved that death was no match for him, and because of that, he is glorified. Let's go back to Philippians again. Chapter 2 in verse 8, it talks about this. It says, Being found in human form, he, Jesus, humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. See, this is the point that the author is making, that this is your example. That when you look to Jesus, you see someone who went through persecution, pain, betrayal, judgment of others, and he persevered through it all because of the joy that was to come. Do you know what that means? Of the joy that is to come? It means that when Jesus was being betrayed and being mocked and hung on a cross, he thought of what it would mean for you and for me. He thought about what it would mean for his people, for the church, the hope that it would bring, the life that it would bring, the way back to the Father that it would mean. That was his joy that allowed him to endure through this persecution. There's a story I came across recently, some of you might have uh, heard it before, of a man named John Stephen Aquari. Uh, he was a Tanzanian runner in the 1968 Olympics, and uh, his race was the marathon. Shortly after that race began, uh, he fell and he dislocated his knee and he badly injured his shoulder. And apparently the conditions of this race were really bad because 18 of the 75 runners in this race that have been training for this event their entire lives dropped out. But Aquari kept going. He refused to give up. You can look this up online. There's a, a video on YouTube kind of showing his journey where he starts running and then you see him jogging and then you see him walking and then you see him limping. And over an hour after the winner of that race had finished, after the medal ceremony had already happened, you can see him getting to that finish line. Afterwards, he was asked why he didn't give up when it was clear he was in so much pain, when no one would have blamed him if he had. This is what he said. He said, my country didn't send me 5,000 miles to start the race. They sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race. This is what faith looks like. This is what Hebrews has been pointing us to. This is what Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith modeled in his life. A faith that perseveres, that finishes the race, that looks ahead to the joy that is to come. Let us be a people. Let us be a church that does the same. Run your race 
with perseverance and finish well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that you've given us. We thank you for the encouragement, the examples, the hope that we see in your word. Lord, we know that you have given us a race to run, but right now I, I just pray for those that feel a little bit tired, a little bit bumped up, a little bit bruised. Lord, for those of us that are thinking about giving up, God, right now I ask that you would strengthen us. Lord, that your spirit would come upon us and encourage us and remind us that we are not alone, that we have this cloud of witnesses, that we have examples to look to, a community to trust. But Lord, ultimately, we have you. Help us to know what it is to run our race well and to finish with endurance. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you, worship team, for leading us so well. By the way, I was really careful coming up on these stairs. I'm in my head. It's all good. Hey, we're so glad you could join us today. If we could be praying for you, anything going on in your life, our prayer team will be up the front here in just a minute. And we're so glad that you are here, that you're in this community, that you're among a cloud of witnesses, and that there is a race set before each one of us. Receive today's benediction. Go now in the name of Jesus Christ, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Go among this cloud and run the race that is set before you and finish well. Amen.